The following message is brought to you by the Ezra Institute for Contemporary Christianity. To learn more about the Ezra Institute's mission to advance the Lordship of Christ, please visit www.ezrainstitute.ca. For the first time in the new year, the culture clash is on, and we've got our two uh, culture warriors in the studio, the Reverend Joe Boot, senior pastor at the Westminster Chapel in Toronto and founder of the Ezra Institute of Contemporary Christianity. Good morning, Joe. Morning, John. Happy New Year. And to you, and to Justin Trottier, likewise, spokesperson for the Canadian Secular Alliance. Good morning to you. Good morning, and Happy New Year to both of you. Well, there we go. It wasn't a happy new year for all because, as you know, we've been in the uh, throes of this cold snap, uh, which has left some people to fend for themselves, and maybe uh, they've been uh, inconvenienced as well to the point uh, food's been damaged and so on and so forth. So now you've got the government, and uh, this has been hotly contested, debated, criticized, and we even talked about it in the last hour. Kathleen Wynne either uh, cynically politicking and using this to political uh, advantage, or was it sincere? And she was trying to help, and she's uh, a guardian and defender of the poor, as she says in her op-ed piece in the Toronto Star this morning. So I'll start with you, the Reverend Joe Boot, because the question is, uh, you know, a lot of people are wondering, you know, they've been flooded out in certain precincts like Etobicoke and uh, elsewhere. There's been damage, uh, and they're not getting theirs, and so it's opened up Pandora's box that... Uh, the first and only recourse now seems to be the government's got to come in, step in, and bail me out. Are we becoming too reliant on government, whereas maybe in the past it's been community groups, church organizations, and so on and so forth? Mm-hmm. Well, I think the first thing here is that uh, we have seen a sort of progressive atomization of society so that with the increase of individualism, the breakdown steadily of family and community and extended family. I mean, people used to live, families used to live in... Uh, close to one another, they weren't disparate, uh, and there were more. There was more community emphasis, and of course, central to that was the church. The church used to be absolutely central to this. Now, my power was out for eight days, um, and but I didn't have a difficulty, and, and that's because I'm part of a church, and I had multiple offers. My family had multiple offers, and we ended up having a lovely stay out in Oakville. So uh, that's because we're part of a Christian. Uh, community, and mm. that meant that the burden there is shared. Now, with the decline of the church and the family... Well, could we also extend that to be the mosque in, in, in reference to Muslims, or, you know, uh, the synagogue, or any kind sure. of religious... Any, any of these communities, certainly, I'm speaking as a Christian, but any of these uh, c- community groups, uh, that's where this kind of help used to take place. Now, I think there has been a big shift into a reliance on state, the state, where you have a kind of cradle-to-grave security. There's an expectation that the government, the state, is going to pay for everything, take care of everything. What we don't do is ask the most important question, which is, what is the state? Well, the state is just the differentiated public, and the state doesn't have any money to give anything except they take it from the public. The state is the institution of coercion. The state cannot love. So we have to be careful. But it can be a social contract where uh, the state is responsible to a certain extent for certain requirements that need to be met for the public, right? Surely. And uh, Is this one such case, though? I, well, 
I think in a, in a situation where community is broken down, some sort of social financing has to be provided. But I think when we're asking what should the, we as a community, as a city, be aiming at, it's not that the state govern, regulate, and control and provide in all of these situations because there is no free lunch. Nobody's having a free lunch pass here. That money's got to come from somewhere. Sure. Where is it coming well, largely from? from private corporations in this case. Right. So well, you good have corporate to, citizens. that was matched by the government, to be sure. So it's well, not when a you're saying matched by the government, the, public partnership. Okay, but the government then has taken a, a, upon itself, as Joe is pointing out, uh, to make a decision mm-hmm. to redistribute some of the uh, the citizens' money for these means or these ends. Some Do, of the citizens' money, but some of it, you know, I think no, at least half came from. Okay, yeah, yeah, no, fair enough. But the, companies, the, shoppers, drug. The real others. point is. Uh, is this the role of government to assume that responsibility, yeah. legitimately so, or have we become too reliant on government, whereas it used to be community groups and, as Joe cites, his own church community? Yeah, and I don't think it only has to be religious communities. But the problem with looking at that in a kind of romantic picture is it, it sort of forgets that there were always people who were not part of those communities, people who were marginalized, who were not seen as fitting in. They were deemed heretics or what have you. Um, often the very old or people who are just on the margins of society. So the state, I do, I do think, plays an important role in, in at least trying to level the playing field, making sure that nobody slips through the cracks. They don't always get that right, of course, but I think that you do need to have that level of protection for those that don't easily fit into existing communities. And I don't think that this was such a bad example of that. I think the premier's heart was in the right place. Um, this was a bit of an experiment. I think that uh, lessons have been learned. There were certainly other ways of doing it that I think would have been better, such as using existing apparatuses, the Daily Bread Food Bank, other um, organizations like that to do the distributing rather than doing it through the Ontario Works offices and making people trudge out and and there were issues of people being able to access it. Uh, So I think that the implementation was a problem, but I don't think that necessarily the government working with the private sector in combination to try to meet some of these needs, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I think I'd want to qualify again that uh, in a situation where community is broken down, uh, some form of social financing has to be provided in emergency situations. Now, uh, I would want to challenge what Justin has sort of slightly suggested there, that uh, somehow churches, for example, provide for their own but not others. That's never been the historic role of the church. From the very beginning, actually, of Christianity, the reason it had such an impact on the pagan world is the church provided for pagans too. And uh, uh, if you look at uh, the work done in terms of health and uh, as well as welfare and financing and food banks, this is not to do with the church just providing for its own people. I'm simply saying that when people are in community and family, these things don't end up falling on the government. As those things have broken down, the new idea of family, the new, and the, this is Kathleen Wynne's vision of politics, which is absolutely that the scientific socialist state is the champion and provider for cradle-to-grave security. What people don't ask is, where does that security, that well, funding, the money for that come from? I said, because I don't want to give the impression that I'm somehow anti-community or anti-families uh, uh, fending in, in, in groups to, to build community for themselves. No, I think that there's a role to play at different levels. Um, certainly the family to the community to the state. What I was saying is that if you break down the state into a number of different communities, it is inevitable, I think, that there will be some people that don't fit into the existing community structure. And I think the state does have a role to play in terms of making sure that there is some minimal level, some standard level well, you of were saying as well, protection for you, those you people. You called it an experiment, which uh, leads this me to... This particular thing was. This yeah. particular, and is what, but it leads me to wonder if maybe we'll be experimenting more often in the uh, days ahead, whereas the state will now assume the role of being 
the de facto... Well, you, you define people's expectations with these sorts of experiments, and I do think so, there, so is, there is politics. So we've opened Pandora's box. Certainly. Uh, the, these, this is what progressively happens. Is this the expansion demand, of the nanny state? But are, people Joe, demand are, more and more uh, welfare. This is what progress steadily happens, is people demand more and more than of the state, and the state, of course, can't fund all of these things, and increasingly no. the people get bankrupted. Well, what the state the usually does, and my point is that I don't think there's a conflict between our points of view. I think the state at its best is a, a arm to enable communities to be able to fend for themselves. That's why we have, you know, charitable organizations, for example, like the Daily Bread Food Bank and others, so that the state can provide tax incentives and other items that to support existing groups that are within the community, that are hopefully representing the community and that know the community well. The, so the two don't have to be in conflict. Sure, but the problem there well is together. that, to, you know, what, what, why is the state giving to charity? The, the, that's just taking taxpayers... Well, by the way, it supports church charities, too. Well, I mean, churches enjoy the same tax benefits. Well, and they can do pays, all those great stuff. Well, there's a discussion there about uh, the assertion of the right of charitable status and how the state now regards that. That didn't used to be the case that you were, the churches were granted tax-free status. They were tax-exempt by definition. Right. But the giving to uh, charity has taken a big hit, of course, in Canada. This, is, this was in the press again a few weeks ago, how we're so bad at giving to charities now. So what happens is people then expect, well, oh, these problems are happening – uh, why doesn't the state give to charity? Right. Actually, all it's doing is it's taking, and because it's progressive taxation, uh, really what's happening is the same pool of people are actually funding all of these things. Right. Well, you know, and, and it's funny. I, I mean, I, not funny. I just uh, found it peculiar that uh, to dovetail with this, I'm kind of uh, going off the topic. But yesterday, there's a debate that uh, in America right now, they want to increase the, the Obama administration unemployment insurance indefinitely. Rather than being a temporary measure, you can continue to claim indefinitely. It might become generational, as it has in some parts in this country, we know, uh, which just shows the expansion mm-hmm. of the nanny state or big government. Well, Britain's a very good example of that. You have third and fourth generation welfare claimants. But what they're saying is this is a way of uh, elevating people out of poverty. And now we were talking about this earlier this morning. We're in Seattle. There's a proposal to raise a minimum wage to $15 for city workers. And it looks like it's going to pass because, again, the anti-poverty activists say that this is the way out of poverty. Justin Trottier, do you believe raising the minimum wage to 15 In some cases, that's almost doubling it in America. It, you know, there's a grassroots movement afoot. It started with a fast food industry, and it looks like it's going to be a political winner for the Democrats in the midterms, raising the minimum wage, that standard, uh, does that increase standards of living? Yeah, I think raising it to a certain point, but then of course you have diminishing returns where, you know, you raise it so much that it becomes uneconomical and, and, and competitive. So I don't know exactly where that, that number would be. 50 in, in the Canadian context seems reasonable. I don't think it's that much higher than, than what it is currently at about 10 in most places in Canada. Yeah, I'd be in favor of that, something like a minimum guaranteed annual income. I'm sympathetic to that, but again, I'm not an economist. I don't know exactly where that sort of break-even point would be. So I, I'd raise it, but I, I, I wouldn't want to put a dollar figure on what I'd raise it to. Any ideas on that, Joe? I, no, mean, well, I just way- think that I, I think as soon as you start, um, again, the state is the agency of coercion. This is what we have to remember. The state doesn't, cannot love. The state, by definition, is the means of force. In fact, Michael Ignatieff said it's the, the object of ultimate allegiance and the source of law. This is the that's practically a Chinese de- the definition of the state. The state is the means of coercion. And as soon as you say, right, the state is going to start regulating pe- uh, what people are paid, 
You've destroyed freedom. This is what's more. This is the question. What's more important? You're such the market, a radical libertarian. Well, Joe. I'm a biblical libertarian. Uh, that uh, the, ah, uh, essentially, ten based libertarian. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, is that. Uh, we have to allow the market to define what people are fundamentally so no going to be paid. environmental regulations, no uh, work-related regulations to enforce standards of labor laws and stuff like well, that. Well, th- but historically, those kind of things are self-regulated within those industries. Okay. Like if you, for law, uh, lawyers groups, for example, have the, the bar. Doctors have their own. So the various vocations can actually have their own uh, means of, of, of regulating. I mean, yeah, well, people over the, the no, ice storm those, died and because of carbon monoxide poisoning from unregulated appliances, for right, example, sure. that they no, were using. Absolutely. Can we rely on the kindness of strangers, which is why the state has been set up to be coercive? That's the point. <laughs> well, the, the, the point of coercion, of course, is to deal with criminality. It's to be administration of justice. That's a Western concept of the state, the rule uh-huh. of law. We can't, uh, to say um, we can rely on the compassion of the state, well, let's take a look at Europe and Russia and China and ask whether when you give the state that kind of power, it's compassionate. Well, I think that's, the answer that's is That's the no. other extreme. I mean, you're, you're arguing for one extreme by creating this this caricature of the other extreme, the, the statist extreme. And what I'm saying is that the state can be something in the middle. It can, can be it? An, an enabler of our Justin. best values. It well, what, can be, what does the state not regulate today, though? What does it not control? Can it be in the middle? I don't think it can. Right, you want less statism? I guess you are, uh, what did you say, a libertarian? Biblical libertarian, Biblical John. libertarian. Uh, somebody also referenced the Ten Commandments. Well, you know, the Ten Commandments <laughs> are up in uh, the capital of Oklahoma, and uh, as a consequence now, the Satanists want to erect their own statue in response. I want to, <laughs> well, I want to throw that into uh, the mix here as well. A seven-foot statue of sta- Satan is being commissioned for downtown Oklahoma City, and uh, we'll touch base with the Culture Clash uh, people. Joe Boot, Justin Trache, and your thoughts, if you wanted to weigh in on the uh, fact that we're becoming too reliant on government, or is the government's role to uh, protect the vulnerable in times of crises, uh, if we can't rely on community groups and churches and such. The culture war is back. All right, let's get back into it with the Reverend Joe Boot and Justin Trottier and the issue of the state becoming uh, too all-pervasive in our lives, even when it comes to dire circumstances like uh, this cold snap and people losing food, needing gift cards and things like that, and uh, maybe other people need assistance down the line, or is it best left to communities and uh, families and so on and so forth? To Jeff, first off in the 401. Good morning, Jeff. Hey, Ralphie, good morning. Hi. You know, you, your pastor saying that some of the other the church is this, uh, churches, uh, these organizations are supposed to help people. Churches are no different than the government. Right now you have these mega churches. They have one right here in Toronto. That the pastor is a multi-millionaire. And what he does is take the, the, the difference from his congregation to buy houses in Florida and all over. They have pastors selling a lot of private jets all over the place. So the church has become no different than the government. You pay your tithes, the pastor decides who gets um, benefits from those types and enriches himself. All right, so what you're saying is they're, they're hypocritical, so they're not really, you know, uh, they might preach one thing but uh, live less than an exemplary lifestyle on the other. I mean, fair criticism? Well, I, I obviously don't know which church he's talking about. Most, the vast Some of these mega churches, the kind you see on, you know, American televangelists and things like that. Yeah, well, well I wouldn't want to uh, ever defend uh, corruption. There are obviously going to be uh, p- people who are in any uh, uh, religious work for the wrong motives and the wrong reasons, and I'm sure there are pastors who pay themselves or, or their boards pay them excessive amounts. Um, so, well, but if in your utopian ideal, each of these communities is kind of run by a church of some kind, and they are self 
you know, subservient to nobody, then can that not lead inevitably to corruption? Well, if there is no state not a utopian to ideal. regulate utopia churches is a humanistic, and other organizations. Utopia is a humanistic concept where the state actually is the center of all things. No, mm. what I'm talking about is localism. There were local parishes. There were local churches. But maybe have we lost the sense care. of localism local. in neighborhoods? I mean, we live yes. in an urban environment where people are alienated and uh, yes. they don't have any connections. And that's where government has decided to step into the vacuum or the void and supplant the community or the church or whomever, uh, the good neighbor, uh, to Justin's point, because these folks have been marginalized a, a lot of times historically anyway, and that's the last resort that they've got is to government. Well, the, uh, as I said at the beginning, the atomization issue, the individualize, uh, individualism of society, the loss of a communitarian spirit is an issue, and that's because of the collapse of faith and the... Uh, the collapse of a community spirit, or at least the, the, the retreat of that community spirit, and our sense of mutual responsibility that... for the neighbors. Mm. Now, the, the, the caller's just making a point. He's probably had a bad experience with a church somewhere down the line, or is seeing, or is pointing to There are to lots the... of examples of that. I think his point is, if I may interpret it generously, that um, you, you do need a higher structure of some kind in society ah. to supervised to make sure that the rules are being followed, that if there is right, corruption so by these, Wynn, these community leaders, Trudeau by these religious leaders, that there, are laws in, yeah, that there are laws in place so that everybody... Yes, in terms of justice and criminality, yes. The, the, the state's role is to deal with issues of justice well, and this crime. Is, they might couch so, this as social so, justice. Well, embezzlement and so forth mm-hmm. uh, would be an issue of criminality. Racketeering would be an issue of criminality. That's the state's role. But, uh, what about social of, justice, though, Joe? I mean, they might say this is social justice. We're making sure that the, the folks who would fall through the cracks are going to be looked after. Well, so, the term social justice uh, of the progressivists is a byword for socialism. So... What social justice, what does that mean? That means usually, well, these people have more than these, so we're going to take what they have and we're going to give it to them. Now, that's not a, a, a Christian concept of justice. Charity, giving, sharing, mutual responsibility, caring, love for one's neighbor, that's the Christian I, concept. I so even, we're not talking about a lack of care. But if we're others. back to the issue of, of Kathleen Wynne's gift cards, I don't think that's social justice. I think that's basic support. I mean, the storm uh, required you know, hydro workers and other emergency workers to help people by putting their lights back on. Well, people also have their food spoiled. So why is it that we draw the line? We say, that's okay. We understand the state has a role to play in, in help making sure people can survive by getting their lights and their heat back on. But when it comes to making sure that they have food in their bellies, well, the, the hydro companies, we're paying for it. We're paying for our hydro. We're, all these things are being... That's highly uh, subsidized uh, by the state, though. Well, Come on. We're paying for these utilities through the nose. Okay, so people should be getting rebates for their... Absolutely, there should be compensation there. All right, let me just uh, read an email that came in from Steve. He says, I guess we'll be seeing the new Kathleen Wynne liberal ad sometime soon as the kindly grandmother runs through a community housing complex throwing gift cards on the ground to cheering crowds. The red banner comes on screen, vote liberal. So he's cynical about this ploy. Let's see what the callers say. Yuan in Toronto, good morning. Uh, yeah, hi, how's it going? Pretty um, good. I just want to bring up for the sake of argument here that we've got to remember that the nanny state, if you will, that we have today didn't just come out of a vacuum. We, this has been a gradual prog- uh, process over time. And that there was a time when this idealized society that, uh, that we've been talking about uh, didn't meet the needs of the country. Uh, you know, the, a lot of what we have uh, uh, in the state apparatus came out of the Great Depression of the 1930s, mm-hmm. when traditional modes of trying to help those uh, could not meet the demands. So, and, and workplace regulations and all this came from a time when um, 
Uh, people are being exploited and thrown to the curb because traditional methods of protecting them were not adequate. Exactly. All right, well, that's a good point. The New exactly. Deal of the 30s and FDR and all the rest of that. Joe Boot, would you agree Then this was where government needed to fulfill the vacuum, the void that was being uh, experienced? No, I think there was a vision, there was a growing uh, vision of the state as the new integrating concept. And from after the First World War and the temporary tax measures and so forth, there was been a gradual over the last hundred years a steady and gradual growth of the state. It's been deliberate, it's been uh, targeted, and uh, state regulation control of everything, including now uh, really the markets and so forth, um, has been uh, a deliberate policy of modern government. But now we're being bankrupted by it. Well, yours also, uh, culturally, because it is a culture clash after all, uh, there's been, let's call it the uh, erosion of faith-based groups or the diminution of them. Uh, and of the family, John. And, well, and, 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 and it's it, also been the civil rights era. Well, sure. Where and, the state but, had to come in and desegregate institutions. Well, there's a separation of church and state, and I just wanted to dovetail this with what's happening in Oklahoma City. A satanic group unveiled designs yesterday for a seven-foot-tall statue of Satan that it wants to put up at the state capitol, where they put up a Ten Commandments monument in 2012. So they're saying this New York-based group, uh, what's good for the goose, good for the gander, effectively, and uh, they designed this monument that reflects uh, a view of Satanists in Oklahoma City. Uh, and it's they've got the monies raised, and it's going to be, I guess, uh, the goat-bearded figure with horns, wings, and uh, often used as a symbol of the occult. In this rendering, Satan is sitting in a pentagram-adorned throne with smiling children next to him. Joe Boot, you got a problem with this? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, it's, this is, I mean, it's almost comical if it wasn't so pathetic. But obviously this is being uh, erected in contrast to the Ten Commandments. If it's a response to uh, the Ten Commandments, what is being said here is, no, we reject that. And actually what we want is the, uh, the epitome of evil is of course the figure of Satan. I mean, if you're if you're if you've got some sort of um, uh, humanistic utopian ideal for the society, why not pick a, another figure? Why pick Satan as your image for what you want to uh, represent? Well, the, the, the you know, I guess because they believe they have the freedom under the First Amendment to do so, and the American Civil Liberties Union wanted to get the Ten Commandments removed. So I guess they're going to. They support, were not able to. do And that. they were not able. This yeah. is the Bible Belt as well, and some of the folks are saying on the very surface it's an affront to Oklahomans. Uh, Justin Trottier, could you support a seven-foot statue of Satan at the state capitol? Well, I was going to stick to just debating this on free speech grounds, but since, Joe, you kind of awkwardly suggested that they were trying to, you know, put forward um, a sort of uh, an, an evil agenda, use the word evil in some context Well, the contrast with the Ten Commandments is, is, is good and, and Satanism is evil. Um, so, so I think we need to understand that, that Satanism, as defined by Satanists themselves which I am not, for the record, uh, is, is promoting, in their own words, freedom of inquiry and um, is a rejection of the tyranny of religious authority. To, to quote well, from Satan is church, a religious to, to quote from the church, actually, of, the church of Satan. So if those are the values they're promoting through this public display, I, I support those values, even if I don't necessarily support the idea of embodying them in the, the figure of Satan. Um, as an but you support a Satan statue. You say it's a freedom of but expression. On, but thing. to come back to that, yeah, I, I don't see how you can allow for one church to put their displays up and another group that claims to be operating under the rubric of their own church, which might be anathema to, to, to many, uh, I don't see where you can draw the line. Well, that sounds and, and all very egalitarian right and, and equalitarian, Justin, but the Ten Commandments are engraved in the wall of the Supreme Court of the United States, and that's for the good reason that the country built its understanding of itself around a philo-Semitic 
Judeo-Christian understanding of itself and, the, and, and, and its, and its nation. Pagan but but since there. when was Satan Greek, carved, Greek is Satan carved there. into the wall? There's a lot of different symbols there on the, on but the it, capital. But is Satan carved into the wall of the Supreme Court? Is Satan uh, somehow represented? So only those things carved in into the, the wall of the Supreme Court can, no, can appear on No, I'm saying that how is Satanism property? representative of the people of Oklahoma? How is a statue well, of Satan well, let me representative ask it in a different of the freedom way. of the American Do people? Do you believe, Justin Trache, that Satanism is a a religion equal to any of the Judeo-Christian uh, traditions or religions, uh, or even you know Islam. Do you believe Satanism? I don't, I don't think I am qualified to decide that one religion is of equal worth to another. I don't think Joe is either when he says that uh, only those that, in his interpretation, are in you know related to the values on which the U.S. country was founded can have their symbols on public if property. The people of Oklahoma want interpret statue of Satan. Which they should, they should are, be allowed it. So the you're saying is, it should be a democratic uh, kind of an initiative? They should put it to a plebiscite? Is that what you're saying, Joe? Well, well, I'm suggesting the majority should uh, decide on on basic rights like freedom of no. I'm, I'm suggesting that if the if people really think that Satan represents their values, go and put your statue up. Hey, by the way, that's what uh, they're trying to do, and they have about twenty thousand dollars to back it in the 20, garden. 000. In the garden, <laughs> well, it's enough to put <laughs> it up. Let me <laughs> end with this one: in the Garden of Good and Evil. Uh, this was a story from last week, but uh, Vito Rizzuto, who is the uh, mafia don in Montreal, was uh, given a Catholic burial, a Catholic funeral. Should he have been Joe Boot? Well, I, I think that without wanting to offend Catholic listeners, you know, there's an element of superstition here in the Italian community. Everybody should be allowed to have a funeral. The family should have a funeral. But it depends what's said at a funeral like this. This man, after all, was a killer uh, and a racketeer and, uh, you know, traded in the misery of others with heroin and cocaine around the world. Should the church make a big deal about such a figure? Not in my opinion. All right. In other words, he should not be accorded the rights uh, within the Catholic faith because he's breached those rights or whatever. He's broken faith. Uh, Justin Trache, should Vito Rizzuto have been given a full Catholic burial? Well, I just think that there's a lot of inconsistency here. I mean, the rules on Catholic burials are... Uh fairly complicated, but they've been used to deny gay people the right to Catholic burial, uh, people who have died by suicide the right to a Catholic burial. I know that has changed over the years. Um, I think generally they try to limit uh, public scandal, uh, and so I can't understand how you know, giving a Catholic funeral to a figure like this doesn't uh, generate a good deal of public scandal for the church. So it seems odd, but I'm not a theologian. I can't really interpret it beyond that. Well, extreme, extreme, I don't know whether he was administered the last rites, but extreme unction is a sort of uh, passageway Eucharist into eternity. And I think I, I would certainly have a difficulty with, and certainly Protestants and evangelicals have difficulty with the idea that you can just supply grace to somebody who is not genuinely and truly repentant. And I don't think his life... Uh, manifested mm. somebody who was wanting to follow Christ. I mean, mm. after all, he burst out of a cupboard and shot people and mm. ended up in prison for it and so on. So it's, I think he was just given the basic sacraments, whatever right. those are. Yeah. Well, all right, uh, sacraments. Uh, we'll leave it on that note. Gentlemen, very, very interesting discussion. As per usual, the Reverend Joe Boot, senior pastor at the Westminster Chapel in Toronto and founder of the Ezra Institute of Contemporary Christianity, and Justin Trache, spokesperson for the Canadian Secular Alliance. Thank you to both. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the Ezra Institute for Contemporary Christianity. Please feel free to share it with friends, but do not charge for or alter the material in any way without the express written consent of the EICC. Thank you.